Hello. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd be very grateful if you could go to GoFundMe. And there's a page called Toby's Wheezing and Groaning for 10K for Ukraine. There's also a link in the blurb that accompanies this. Basically, I'm running 10 kilometres to raise medical aid uh, and assistance for the beleaguered people of Ukraine. Uh, and 10k uh, I'm not an athlete at all and uh, as you'll note these podcasts are free and I don't put advertising on so if you do enjoy them if you could uh, on this occasion perhaps uh, uh, any any amount if everyone that listened gave a tiny amount I'd raise quite a large amount so uh, any amount to uh, that GoFundMe page for Ukraine I will suffer in order to uh, justify the payment Uh, I'd be most grateful It's happy times and places in which I, Toby Haydoke, accentuate the positive in order not to accidentally slag off somebody I might then meet at a convention as we watch a Doctor Who story chosen by a friend of mine. They choose their favourite things. I have to guess what they are. Uh, my name's Matt Hayden. Uh, I train people in conflict management, teamwork, communication skills, uh, cultural diversity things like that. And all of these fascinating topics, I think, are examined in immense detail in my choice of story. It's The Two Doctors, and I'll be fascinated to see what you think of it. Well, welcome, everybody. It's very dark here in Haydoke Towers. It's gone 1am, and I should be going to bed, but I've just been catching up with The Walking Dead, and that reminded me that I have a grotesque instalment of Doctor Who still to do, and I thoroughly enjoyed part two of The Two Doctors, which, as you heard, I am watching with Matt Hayden, a friend of mine, uh, a cineast, uh, a man of culture and erudition, and also uh, base humour and low morals. Uh, He's a a good mix, is Matt. Uh, But he's not a dyed-in-the-wool Who fans, so his his perspective is an interesting one. His choice is an interesting one, a story that I know many dislike. Um, I've always had a soft spot for it. Um, uh, And as I say, one illustrious person I know thinks it the worst script ever written for Doctor Who. And this is a person who likes the work of Robert Holmes, as I do. So anyway, let's see how what what delights uh, on the menu... As we go for part three, I am on the DVD. I am on episode selection. So I'm going to press enter now for part three. Uh, And fans of last episode of Happy Times and Places um, hopefully weren't throwing things at their stereo uh, or headphones or computer or however you uh, digest this hourly. Um, because I was correct, it was between episodes two and three of the two Doctors that the cancellation slash hiatus of Doctor Who was announced by the BBC, called as it was by Michael Grade, violent and unimaginative, uh, and we're just about to have a pretty grim episode, which or which some could say um, justifies justifies his argument. Uh, and let's not get into whether it was a hiatus or a cancellation. I think the the clever money is on. They were going to cancel it, and there was so much uproar that they had to um, change their minds. Um, so 
I don't know. I don't know what's in. Uh, why Shockeye has a bullet belt? I don't know what's in there. Presumably herbs, and so he's just got sort of paprika that he can spray on any passing creature that he uh, uh, slaughters for the table. Oh, does he say you're you're a fine fleshy beast? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> ripe for the table. For the knife. <laughs> I love it. And I love this little... That's just a little thing they've worked out where they go, well, he can... And I like the fact that they're sort of strong, but they don't make a a, 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 a meal of that. Uh, if you'll excuse me. But I like the way he just does that little sort of bash that a chef would know could uh, knock out a, a, a creature. He doesn't have to use force. He just knows which which nerve to hit, which like... I haven't mentioned Val much, have I? Uh, Val was, for many years, my favourite Sontaran because he was my first Sontaran, um, even though he took off his helmet in long shot. Um, uh, but uh, the more times I've watched this, the more times I've he doesn't actually do anything, except occasionally goes, yes, sir. Um, and and uh, did I have I talked about the fact that Stike is Welsh? Um, he's one of, in an honourable tradition of a... I will leave none of you alive here. Um, I, I would dearly love to kill you, Doctor. Have I done? Have I, done I did do that last week. Last week, I only did it yesterday. Um, and when I do the android invasion, uh, Stigron is Welsh, even though the actor that plays Stigron is not. I was convinced for years he was science Chadaki. Um, but he was actually, I think he was from Hampstead, Martin Friend. But uh, so I don't know what it is about playing monsters that sometimes makes you sound Welsh, whether you're supposed to be or not. Um, would you would you really operate a, a computer bank with a gun? Uh, but it's a, it's a nice uh, it's a, it's a nice piece of business. But um, uh, and I I like this I like this scene. This this was this was Doctor Who to me. You know the Doctor being confronted by the monster, Jamie in mortal peril. I love I always loved the fact that Jamie had a knife in his sock. Since I read about it in Tomb of the Cybermen, uh, I mean you just wouldn't you wouldn't now. Um, but as I've said before, knives, knives were containable. Knives, knives were were the less bad thing. It was guns that were visceral and nasty. Knives were so people had knives. We had pen knives. <laughs> Seems extraordinary now. But uh, I and I love the joke of this. Sometimes are invincible. I'll stab him in the knee. <laughs> but I love this. I love this. There's going to be a laser beam. I love a laser beam and a well placed explosion where the laser beam hits. I love that. That's all brilliant. Love that. I think that's all great. And he's got the knife sticking out. I love that whole sequence because um, it's it's sort of Doctor Who's not often that action packed um, in the studio. It's it's hard to be to to look good um, with sort of multi camera. It's really hard to stage. Um, and you know, even now, I think when soaps do action-packed episodes, it's it's they they, they struggle sometimes because uh, you know we're not we're not used to doing it particularly. Um, but uh, that this is the beginning of Stike's descent, uh, where he's he's ble- bleeding green goo, which you always like a bit in Doctor Who, um, uh, and it's the running gag of every time we see Stike, he gets progressively more knackered. Um, but yes, Tim. I know. T- I read an interview with Tim Raynham in a Doctor Who magazine, Summer Special, uh, who plays Val, who I think had written to the Doctor Who production team quite a lot. But he'd written and sort of said, um, uh, you know, seeing as you've cast that really ugly actress Nicola Bryant, you need somebody beautiful like me. Because I think he was alluding to the fact that he, I don't think he's necessarily would consider himself a looker. He was inverting uh, the idea that. Uh, you know, because Nicola Bryant is a very beautiful woman. And so he, he rather wittily uh, got himself uh, the part. Uh, good for him. Um, I'm not sure he's ever responded to any requests uh, since for interview. I, I know 
some of some of the chaps uh, who tracked down actors have, have had no luck with him, although he's still about. Um, but anyway, I admire his chutzpah. I, whenever I've tried to display chutzpah to get cast in things, because I'm, I'm not very good at playing the game like that. that. That's an example of somebody being, you know, taking a risk and it paying off. And I like that. Trevor Cooper did a similar thing. I think one of his early... Uh, uh, yes, he's going to say, yes, sir, isn't he? Sir, that's what he does. But bless him, he got to go to Spain. Um uh Trevor Cooper I think when he I said to him well, you you play the jailer in a winter's tale that was really early in your career and I think he'd basically written and said um uh can I play I, I I think I could probably play Hermione but if if you've cast that part I suppose I could do the jailer or something like that <laughs> or he said I really really want to play the jailer or I uh, fell in that you could cast me as Hermione it was something it was one of those <laughs> um and and I've always just tried to sort of be, be nice. And every time I've tried to be sort of charming or funny, um, you can see it never quite works. I never quite know how to take it. Um, uh, so I don't know why, uh, what it is about me, who who I think can be, you know, funny and quick-witted on stage as a, as a comic. You know, I've got away with it in front of rooms and rooms of people. On a one-on-one situation where it gets me a job, I've always made of fouled it up. Um... So whilst I admire the chutzpah of uh, of Tim Raynham, part of me is um, devastated that uh, such a thing can 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 pay off when other people try it. When I try it, that I end up give, I end up mucking it up somehow. <laughs> uh, uh, you can, yeah, there's his fags. There's his fags and lighter. Shock eyes, fags and lighter in his tummy. Um, now, interestingly, uh, a, a dear old friend of mine, Sarah from university, was teaching in Stockport or somewhere. And she said, can you come and show my, my kids some? This was after I'd left university and was sort of, you know, jobbing about. Uh, she said, can you come and show my students some sci-fi? I'm trying to teach them about sci-fi. So I, so I showed them bits of, of, of the, I think I showed this scene where he's, oh, no, maybe it's the later one where he's sizing up Jamie and talking about Jamie as we would talk about livestock. Um, and I brought him some X-Files as well, this hoary old sequence where John Finn and David Duchovny are walking around a corri- down a corridor and it's a massive exposition dump uh, to try and make it, uh, tying it up with historical events and, and lots of stock footage and, and trying to sound important because it was tying it in with Vietnam and JFK and all of that. And it was, a, it was appalling. It was an appalling screed of uh, pseudo-portentousness. Um, uh, and of course they loved that and they thought the Doctor Who looked rubbish. Uh, but I... I have. He's just lopsided. They do lopsided. Those collars, I think, are unforgivable. And I know the actors are in Spain, and that's a brilliant shot, and and so need to breathe. But they're, they're untucked. I think it's unforgivable. Um, and oh, I remember this. Um, yes, because it's the sort of betrayal of 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 Shokai. Um, because of course they have to zap him because he talks about fouling the bread of the Quancy Grig. So they so they're. The, they're genetic purists as well, or shock eyes as well as being a horrible butcher. Um, but I quite like, I quite like that. Um, I, I think I just like a laser beam. <laughs> but I like the sort of dr- dramatic um, uh, subjugation of shock eye there. Um, but yes, as I think I said last week, I wasn't last night. I wasn't um, particularly taken with the idea of Patrick Troughton having to Andrew gum it up for a bit because I wanted to see. Perhaps I'm into pure. I wanted to see his pure doctor. Um, so what was I talking about? Um, 
So hang on. Uh, yes, I got annoyed with the collars. I was talking about. Doesn't matter. It'll come back to me. Uh, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. Now, Dastari confuses me in this episode because he's doing the. Because we know he's a friend of the Doctor, and I love all that stuff with him in Trouton at the beginning, where he's obviously a, uh, you know, a decent scientist who's just, you know, wanting to advance science. But then he gets sort of all a bit sarky. Uh, and and now having got to the point where he's doing the next progression of his experiment having you know laid waste to his own space station and uh not sort of questioned anything he's he's, he's now suddenly gone oh it's good it's halfway through episode three um i think the only way they're going to get rid of me is if i develop a conscience and my own creation has to finish me off um but lawrence payne's very dignified performance even though he looks like a member of buggles um <laughs> uh, Dastari killed the Andragum star. Um, uh, augmentation killed the Andragum star. Um, I, I think he's great. Uh, and I'm glad uh, Peter Moffat knew his actors well enough to, to call an actor out of retirement. Oh, yes, I was teaching the, I was teaching the students. And I've, I've never forgotten because when I showed them the scene of Jamie, I wanted them to go, oh, yes, they're treating... Jamie like we treat animals I wanted them to pick up on the the, the the fairly obvious sort of metaphor there in the subtext of um you know how we talk about animals we the the, the, the wheeze of this story is that we are suddenly the, the the livestock um and I said so what's your first what's your first impression of that and this young lad went uh, low budget and I went no and I immediately went no uh, and and then so I said, well, no, what I was looking for was and, and tried to get him to talk about the subject matter. But the fact that I was so quick on when they said low budget, that's an interesting observation. I should have been able to go say, OK, what makes you think that compared to the X-Files and blah, blah, blah. And they much preferred the X-Files clip, even though it was nonsense. Um, but I, as a teacher, as it were, uh, should have put my, should not have been so quick to react because I was reacting because of my own the own scars I bore about Doctor Who being, uh, you know, dismissed as being low budget, etc., etc. So, um, and it's always stuck with me. And I hope that child wasn't put off uh, an, an academic career or an interest in media studies or indeed science fiction because of a teacher that brought his own uh, his own private grief uh, to the classroom. Uh, but I still remember it. Uh, and Andrigan. Uh, now, these two have an awful lot of fun doing this, uh, and I rather enjoy it. Um, uh, but as I say, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't too hot at the time, and, and they, 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 those eyebrows are a livid red, aren't they? <laughs> but I do, th I do like the idea of these two old, <laughs> these two old gents uh, uh, going around eating everything. Oh, and so this is where um, they must have been baking uh, in that teat. Um, I always think it's a bit lazy when the baddies kill the baddies, but you sort of have to have it in Doctor Who. But they used to do it in 24 all the time. In 24, after about six episodes, you tell that the producers had got bored of the villain, so then they'd get a super villain to come and kill the previous villain because, you know, they'd go, oh, you haven't killed Jack Bauer. Instead of going, let's work together to kill Jack Bauer, they go, I'm going to kill you. And all the other underlings go, that's just what we do. We kill each other when it doesn't work. Um, uh, and, and you know, that actor, I think viewers, we need to escalate the villainy. So now we've got a villain who, you know, who's at a higher level in villain towers. Um, 
no, it's weird because in 24, the, the villain was not afraid to kill people. Um, but of course, Doctor Who generally, um, uh, and except for, uh, you know, there's always an exception that proves the rule. Generally, um, look, the collar goes right up to his nose. I'm sorry. I know I have to accentuate the positive, but uh, I'm not a fan of the collars. I, at least I'm glad they've got a probic vent. But I remember being cross because... I loved it, you know, I knew that the Sontarans could be killed by a probe, and, and then suddenly this, this acid stuff kills them, and you're like, no, no, I, want, I, I, want, I wanted them to get killed by the probic vent, because that's how Sontarans die, because I'd read them in the books. Um, so Val gets a fairly crap death, bless him. Um, uh, that, that, that canister has blown up quite near him, and so that's killed him. But this, this, the, I think the time, the, the timing of when the sparks hit Stike there, it does look like the acid is hitting his face and then the green stuff is sort of sprouting out. And I think that's just by a sort of accident of the sparks where they are and the camera angle and the way it turns. But it does look like it's hitting him and the sort of the, the, the face guts are sort of spurting out. So that's, that's actually quite effective. I've, uh, and I remember the first time seeing that going, oh, that's, uh, that looks pretty grim. Um, but but, but if, actually if you examine it it's not how it first appears but that's that's the beauty of of uh sometimes sometimes a, sh a shot uh you know can can cheat even though that wasn't i'm sure the intention either they just lucked out um but very good um but yeah, I did want them to get killed by probic vent because that was one of the pieces of Doctor Who lore that I'd learnt from the Target books. Because as I say, this is the first time I'd seen the Sontarans. Because um, I discovered so much of Doctor Who through the Target books. So there was there was nothing more exciting than the end of part one of Earthshock. Um, and I think that excitement of my generation seeing the Cybermen for the first time. Yay, Stike's still alive. <laughs> Covered in... It's quite, it's quite an indignity, and I think it's quite funny, isn't it? Because he spends the whole thing being this sort of military guy, and they give him the swagger cane, and he's certainly the most sort of militaristic in in the way that in in, in the sense that we understand it and I identify. It. Previous Sontarans have been militaristic. Kevin Lindsay had a great um, sort of gate and clip delivery and stuff, but but you know, Stike's got a swagger cane and standardies and all of that. You know, they yeah they sort of labor it slightly um but 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 the fact that he's got all of that uh and then and and and, and so sort of has pretensions of uh being a sort of uh officer type and then spends the whole of episode three just getting smacked to bits and getting now i i seem to recall it's rather sad that in the doctor who magazine archive of these that there's nobody knows the name of this poor spanish extra who plays the driver uh, and you'd have thought somebody would have written it down to commit him to history um but uh, and because he, he's an analyzer i think he's just he's a stuntman because he has to do he has to do that um uh and again i think that's quite a nice suggestion of the strength of the androgen because if you hit somebody on the back with a log they wouldn't die but clearly uh, uh you know he has he has he has big strength um Because you know, yes, they're, 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 they emphasise the fact that a man has been killed. I mean, they don't check. Uh, <laughs> um, but yes, uh, we don't know who that, uh, or we didn't at the time. Somebody, somebody clever might have found out since who the lorry driver is. But um, as it's an actor, I will never be able to, uh, you know, sort of knock on the door of. I don't think I. I, I mean, I. I'd, I'd love to travel to Seville. <laughs> 
Seville. But I, I, I think I, I would have trouble justifying it to my family and indeed the tax man uh, to go. I've, I'm going there to interview the man who gets hit by the log from the two doctors. Um, I love this music. And this is very funny because he's getting into his MFI, MFI time machine. Uh, uh, I mean... Uh, that uh, and of course because he's done that so that's a nice little plot placing of, of the doctor's trick the doctor's trick to st- stike and then he has to fall out and he's covered in even more green and then he has the indignity of having to post double line to explain that he thinks that Chassini has double crossed him or whatever it is he says there I think that's definitely done in post um Oh, and this is where they have the obligatory, we're in a foreign location. Uh, do you remember um, Ark of Infinity 4? We are now going to run around the streets a lot because that's what that's what you do when you're on location. Um, uh, it's almost like you don't need to have much that's going on in the story because uh, the story has been substituted by location. I think, I think now we go, well, let's tell the story within the location. But in those days, you could go, well, we, we've done one, so we actually don't have to do the other. Those were the days. <laughs> it's like as if, as if going abroad was enough. Do we have to do anything else? No, we've gone abroad. That's that the viewers will be going will be so agog that they can see Spain on their in the, on their living room television in in Slough or Wigan um, <laughs> that uh, they're, they're, oh my, they'll be but they'll be so dazzled by uh, the foreign climb that we don't need to burden them with story or plot. Uh, <laughs> I actually do quite enjoy watching actors having fun. I th- I think there's probably less patience for it now. And I'm not sure the world is a better place. I think seeing two old cesps uh, <laughs> lording it about, <laughs> lording it about Spain in a to- in top hats, um, and and the way that he's washing his hands, uh, and I like the way that Troughton describes the food. They do the food stuff in this very well. Um, the shepherd's pie joke is very good earlier, um, but the the thing that the light salad with artichoke hearts, but all of Oh, the digestive juices, all of that. I think they do all of that really, really well. It's like the the pan frying, the gumble jack in its own juices. The the, the way that the food is grabbed. I think the way he makes a simple salad, having because he does, he's quite clever. He doesn't just go for the all oh, the relish of the the sort of gourmand stuff. He, even even a simple light salad. And I, I uh, you know I like food and I like different foods and I I think that captures. Uh, you know the beauty of eating but of course then just juxtaposes it with the fact that actually it's a very functional thing and we as humans dress up um uh what is actually a very functional thing consuming fuel uh and and you know because we're 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 uh apes with ideas above our station we sort of dress it up and go oh well this is very severe. no what you're doing is you're slaughtering a thing and you're gorging on its flesh ah but that will make it sound very sophisticated um uh, there's peter moffat uh, the director uh having a, a glass of wine uh, uh, and and that's mercedes carnegie isn't it who is the sort of fixer that they had over there um so gave her um a charming cameo, uh, which if you were ill disposed towards this here, you go, oh, that's just indulgent. But I actually, I actually quite like it. I quite like, um, 
you know Dastari getting the rose I, th I think it's quite a sweet moment it doesn't lead to anything it doesn't have anything to do with anything else um this I think that good tongue acting I like a Sontar and tongue always like a Sontar and tongue and you think that's the end of Stike he does have one more moment to shine um uh, and we have had the setup of the ship self-destructing um so so that all that all ties in although it's not because you don't see him go into the ship it's not it's not brilliantly clear but it's uh, yeah it's all right um I, and i i really like oscar i've said this before I, I i think james saxon is very very good um uh and and yes so I, yes robert holmes is is very good at as do we serve humans here <laughs> his reply is very nice um and he just calls him a fawning imbecile doesn't he um but um yeah that that idea that we you know we can we 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 we, we kid ourselves that well or is it what separates us from the animals you know our enjoyment of of food um that it's that it's more than just a you know, something to keep us alive and to keep us alert so that we don't get preyed upon ourselves uh, is perhaps what's, you know, what separates us from, from the animals. But also, you know, it is a very functional thing and, you know, it goes in one end and comes out the other and we we uh, we don't eulogise the latter. So why why do we get so fancy about the former? But uh, I, I'm interested in that sort of, uh, that, that... Um, that contradiction within us. Colin Colin Baker does the uh, fancying the cat acting very well. I totally believe that he uh, he, he wants to eat that cat. Um, and I I I wonder could, could we could we cut to other adventures where each of the other doctors is getting very hungry? I'm sure you could probably do it. I wonder if you could do it with existing stories where uh, where where the doctors sort of getting getting a bit famished. You have uh, Davison eating his celery, couldn't you? And uh, and uh, um, uh, oh, Pert we suddenly in the day of the Daleks. Go, I very like this wine and blue cheese. Uh, it's, it's actually because this with the Andrigam inheritance is is uh, is uh, is taking its toll. I'm surprised somebody hasn't done a short trips uh, or some such where uh, suddenly each of each of the each of the other incarnations of the Doctor. Um, uh, uh, needs need you know is 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 hankering for scran um I, i'm not sure of the timeline here because they've eaten because a family paella would take a paella i think takes quite a good long time to cook if you're going to do it properly so um i don't get the impression that the others have been searching for quite that long I, but i but it's worth it for the phrase a gargantuan repast uh which is a lovely uh uh, uh phrase that I, I i i think i have occasionally used myself i think that says quite a lot about me that i, I occasionally have, have unconsciously used uh oscar botchaby's dialogue not somebody cool not somebody hard or villainous or exciting not even the doctor the hero i've used an absurd actor an absurd out-of-work actor who murders moths <laughs> and uh is is the subject of a very 
a controversial moment uh, in this episode. But bef- before we get to that, oh, that extra is giving that waiter a bit of stick. I don't know what that's about. Um, oh, they do they do they not like? Have they been told? Oh, you're not really enjoying what they're getting up to. I, I like. I think John Stratton's brilliant at this. Um, sort of going. What what what's this? He's not being villainous here. He's enjoying his meal and going. But what's this? And then I like the fact that instead of going, I'm not going to give you money. We he goes. No, no, that's what we do. Yeah, this is our tally. Yeah, I like that. That you know, lazier writing would go. I'm the villain. I don't expect to pay. He he just expects to pay. It's just that uh, he doesn't realise that the twenty nag note is not accepted. Um, uh, but uh, the waiter that was being given stick, uh, I think one, uh, or certainly one of the, yeah, I think it's the one that's, is, is Nedjet Sali, who was Ali Osman in EastEnders about a year later, one of the first regulars in EastEnders, but he did bits of extra work. You can, I remember seeing him pop up, I think, but, uh, as one of the b- background builders in Alfreda's own pet. And uh, yeah, he's, he's there in Doctor Who a year before becoming uh, a, a soap opera regular in EastEnders. Um, I've seen him crop up in other stuff since, but I think EastEnders was the the biggest flowering of his his career. Um, and and I I, I like the whole uh, acidized my digestive juices because I have to say if somebody's nagging me when I'm eating, it's just like can I, can I just finish my tea? Um, but this, how do we feel about this, everybody? I would be interested. Um, on my on my Patreon page, um, I have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, the the kind people who um, uh, contribute there. Um, that you know, when I post these up, uh, give their opinions. Hello, Sabrina Tirabassi and uh, 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 and and Guy Lambert and uh, uh, Ruben and Joe Llewellyn. Uh, lots of lovely people there. Um, I'd be interested in your opinion of that. I, I as a kid. I mean, thought this was Doctor. I, I, I like Doctor Who being gritty and violent because it was a riposte to the idea that I, I was, I, I was obsessed with the idea that people thought Doctor Who was a children's program. Even though I was eleven, I was like, yeah, 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 but, but, I, but I'm, I'm not watching kid stuff. I'm watching stuff that grown ups like. It's made by the drama department, you know. I was desperate for it to be grown up. Of course, now I sometimes see things that are desperate to be grown up are the most childish. I mean, the, the, the fact that the first grown up thing Torture tried to do was an orgasm monster, I thought was so silly. Um, uh, I, in fact, wrote a sketch where um, uh, uh, the next uh, you know, the next episode, it will be a monster that hides itself in alien knickers and can only be defeated by swearing. Um, but and I found this terribly shocking. Um, and that's a quote from Hamlet. Um, that Colin does very well, but but unfortunately they then sort of largely forget about uh, poor old Oscar now. And by the time they get to film, which is obviously made in in a different country and at a different time, uh, it's like he never died at all. Um, which I th- so which I think I think is often a problem with uh, the doc, the doc, original Doctor Who is that. Uh, uh, you know things don't have consequences beyond a couple of scenes. Um, and I, you know, I know that sometimes people don't like more modern Doctor Who because emotions carry on, th- you know, through episodes and beyond. But that is more sort of realistic. If you'd seen a man murdered, you wouldn't you wouldn't be squabbling about which direction to go in. Uh, and the way he says, "Where are you, Anita? I can't see you." I think is terribly touching because the idea that that um, uh, and, and quite sort of grim and grotesque and 
uh, and and yet the idea that this terrible actor you know even at his death you know he he does this kind of um he gives himself his moment he gives himself his rather wonderful death scene that that is sort of better than he would have done if he'd been acting if he had been playing he'd have been a terrible hamlet <laughs> you never got to see my definitive hamlet um so it's still and it's still full of great jokes um but it is rather sad because james saxon is so very good because it's a stabbing i mean i think i think that is and i know some people who think that's terribly misjudged and i would find it hard to argue with them apart from the fact that i've found the scene you know sad and horrible and and the violence you know, turned my stomach in a way, so it sort of did its job, and yet it's therefore entertainment, and we're being entertained in a story that's telling us about how, um, you know, poorly we treat livestock, um, whilst at the same time perpetrating some pretty grim and unpleasant violence under the guise of children's tea time entertainment. So I'm aware it's a slightly schizophrenic piece, but I, so I find the scene of Oscar's death actually to be rather well done um but it's very presence probably to be i would probably reluctantly have to say it's it's misjudged because uh, he's a great character and it's a pretty horrible thing to do to him um but then this is a story with a grotesque sense of humor as evidenced by <laughs> By shock eye coming in with Stike's leg, which I think is terribly funny. I've just been watching The Walking Dead, which has much more grotesque stuff than any Doctor Who of this period. Although this, you know, this, you know, the, you can tell that they've they've enjoyed Earthshock uh, and Resurrection of the Daleks and gone, why don't we try and make Doctor Who this grim and grown up all the time? And Robert Holmes has gone, yeah, but I'm going to throw jokes into mine. And I have to say. I like that you know the Walking Dead is 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 good fun and very really well made and it's got lots of, but but actually, uh, there's very rarely a sort of sense of humour amongst the grand guignol the the grotesqueness, um, uh, whereas the whole point of Stike getting more and more injured is to sort of revel rather blackly in the grim humour of it um so he, he he's put through all of these indignities until the point where he ends up as as half a leg <laughs> which is supposed to be funny and which is funny colin baker's very good at the reassuring wink um and there's something very even though he's this sort of catty scatty spiky doctor he 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 does have a reassuring nature that i'm so pleased to see uh him bestow upon young nervous fans or even young fans who really know who he was in the in the early days of the sort of resurgence of the show and fans would be at doctor who conventions and you know so sort of aware of the classics but he would never let that phase him and treated everybody like he was a reassuring doctor i think he's a great ambassador for the show and a and a very nice man and i'm sure i've mentioned the first doctor i ever met and uh uh, I couldn't have been luckier. He was very kind. Uh, and I do think he, he, yeah, I think he's sometimes given some rotten lines. Um, but uh, he, he, I think he always he always does them as well as they can be done. Um, oh, and, oh, yes. I, uh, 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 can I have, can I cook one of the humans? And he has the jack. I like the fact that he's uh, 
that that's what Robert Holmes does very well. Instead of saying, can I have the mail? Can I have the Jack? You know exactly what he means. Um, but it is, it is, uh, um, it complements the, 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 the vocabulary that, that uh, has been used thus far. Uh, it gives it a suitably alien, but not outlandish uh sort of verbal palette vo yeah vocabulary very good and just just the use of the word jack i think he's just he just has little sprinkles of cleverness there well now what's dastari doing dastari is a prick um so nice conscious stricken dastari goes but i'll leave the keys there i mean so you you could you, you might be able to try and escape so is he being mean and going i'll leave them just out of the reach to tempt you in which case that doesn't tie in with the sort of nice conscience-stricken stastari we see a bit you know fairly soon um or uh, yeah so it's just uh, poor old lawrence Payne is having to do i think contradictory things um but uh, and I like the little bits that the, the little bits that they have where they speak in unison to remind you that they're both the same person. And I like because Troughton is sort of the nicest doctor to, in in, in a way, because he's so sort of jolly and picks like. But he's an absolute dick uh, when he's with another doctor. It winds up Pertwee, and he and he banter's with uh, with Colin Baker. Um, <laughs> he's he's actually quite a tricky bugger. Um, but he what a what a great face. Um, odd that they that he, he decided to go uh, yeah but we, i've got to have gray hair because it's just a, but if, if you're your doctor you you didn't have gray hair then but there we go um so yes i would be interested to see how how uh uh and you could tweet as well if you if you like uh at hey Dope podcasts uh to tell me what you think of sort of oscar's death and the, and the violence uh, i suppose uh I suppose, which is the sort of headline news about this, because it and it really well, and there's a bit later, and especially as of course I'm supposed to be accentuating the positive. So this is the scene I showed the students where I was, I think, a bad teacher. Um, I think you know, t yeah, teach teachers should be slightly loftier and not uh, not display their their weaknesses. I remember my my son's teacher entered pop idol and uh, no one of them x factor and didn't get through and and i said oh that's a shame he said yeah yeah she said the judges were yeah, and, and 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 instead of going yeah it's a shame i did my best and i lost there was a kind of oh yeah they didn't want me because they didn't want you know, you know she, there was there was umbrage there and a suggestion of foul play or favorite or whatever and i remember thinking a teacher shouldn't be doing that a teacher should should be using that even if she had felt hard done by she shouldn't have she shouldn't have transmitted that to the students she sort of transmitted to the students well i did my best and it didn't pay off so i will but i will still do my best next time um and i like to think that none of my teachers would have you know would have shown such weakness um but of course um uh nostalgia is full of lies and my teachers were probably just as imperfect but i saw them as teachers anyway i don't know perhaps i'm just getting old but i just uh, i've i've gone off piste a little bit but it just reminded it's because this scene uh re reminded me of uh, of a moment where i had uh, 
shown my weakness when I was in the rare position of being uh, <laughs> of being able to influence or instruct uh, young people, which doesn't happen very often. Uh, there's knives. There's a lot of knives in this. You need knives if you've got a story set in kitchens, of course. But uh, uh, it's it's quite a bendy knife. This one, um, I seem to call. Yes, it's already bent. I don't know why they need. Is it because it's a prop knife? But and that, but that's brilliant um, because you 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 see it cut into his trousers and you see the blood. Now I don't know again if that's uh, a little bit of um, trickery in the imagination doing the work, but the the cut really works there. The knife is no longer bent. Um, that's a great. This is a great shot of the three, but it it does look a bit like it's been shot in COVID time with Dastari miles away to the back. It's like when people have a chat in, in, in outside the Rovers in Korea. There's three people who know each other, but it, it was actually filmed at the height of COVID, so they're they're, you know, they're sort of having a conversation in a triangle where everyone's two meters apart. So this is uh, COVID in severe. Um, but this is brilliant. The longing that she does there. Jacqueline Pierce is excellent in this. And and then you have her uh, uh, succumbing to the beast within. And I'm drawn to that very idea. That oh, look, But look how she does that sensual longing. And then that. And then Dastari is... Uh, I mean, it would be enough to set him over the edge if he had any sort of consistent characterization. Um uh, but it's, I think that's a brilliant moment. I think Jacqueline Pierce does it superbly. But I'm I'm very much drawn to that idea of you know what we dress ourselves up as. We are all beasts. We are all animals that got I get ideas above our station. And what makes us good is our intellect. And sometimes I don't think it's bad to have bad thoughts so long as you don't act upon them. Do you know what I mean? What uh, I, I think sometimes I think. Sometimes to show that we have a veneer of civilization, we sometimes deny that we think the things that we think, lest other people think bad things of us. And I still think, well, no, I think, I think some of our thoughts come from our natural instincts, and 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 what makes us good and decent and and better than the animals is that we we overcome those instincts with rationality and intelligence. Um, and what makes Doctor Who a great hero is that he doesn't poison people to death uh, and then make a joke uh, so it's a good job he's not about to do that i mean i mean i remember i sat in on the um resurrection of the daleks dvd commentary i didn't do it nick nick peg uh, nick peg uh, moderated that and i remember um eric say would saying oh yeah this bit here i in the script it says the doctor shoots the two guards just before he goes in and kills Davros. Now, the reason that scene is effective is because the Doctor's going, I'm going to kill Davros. And you go, my goodness, Doctor Who doesn't kill people. It's totally undermined if he kills the guards, so I'm glad he didn't kill the guards. But it just showed how uh, Eric Sayward, who I like sort of the toughness, I like some of the no-nonsense of what, what he brings to Doctor Who, because... It, it is the stuff I sort of liked as a kid. I much preferred that to what I saw as some of the sort of beige walking around spaceships that happened quite a lot in the Davison era. Um, this was much more to my to my taste. Oh, God, his warts look particularly horrible in this shot, um, uh, old shock eye. But, but this, I, I think, is, I'm afraid, again, I know I'm supposed to be accentuating the positive. What I love about Doctor Who is that he... Uh, is that he d doesn't kill people and he solves things with his wit and with his intellect. And I know as a liberal that makes me a hypocrite because Doctor Who has blown up many buildings where he hasn't therefore directly dispensed death and somehow that is more palatable 
uh, I'm I'm aware I'm having my liberal cake and eating it and then giving that liberal cake laced with poison to somebody who dies 20 years later and that makes me feel like I haven't directly killed them myself but but nonetheless I think I think actually having the doctor directly kill somebody and then making the joke uh, is is I think I'm sorry Eric Saywood uh, and the fact that you you know we wanted him to shoot those two guards just out of expedience uh, suggests that yeah I know the argument is well sometimes when with I know what Eric Saywood says he says when you're dealing with violent situations violence is the only answer but not for Doctor Who that Doctor Who is unlike other heroes on the telly and that he doesn't deal death uh, if if he can help it he he you know he he does or he or she does they do, the doctor does what they do I, 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 well good death there Lawrence Payne wasn't a young man there and I think he does a good a good uh, uh, a, a, and it's a good laser laser gun zap I like a zap uh, so poor old Dastari but again I mean it was swimming against the tide of um, consistency uh, and then Jamie gets to use his knife uh, and uh, the whole thing has been set up because the doctor's done the trick. So uh, I like all the stuff with the the time machine and and, and Karts and Reimer, who uh, we never see. I'm surprised somebody's not done a short trips or a little little some segue story about Karts and Reimer. Um, the fading there was much better than it was with Patrick Troughton in the restaurant because obviously take them away, put makeup, come back, take them away, put makeup, come back. Um, so. Yes, much as I like the two Doctors, I sort of have to pretend that there's not a bit at the end where the Doctor murders Shockeye, even though Shockeye is a villain. He is, a sh from Shockeye's point of view, he's a chef. He's just dealing with livestock. He's dealing with what he sees as lesser creatures. Um, uh, so, so although, yes, by our standards, he is, he is, he is villainous. By his standards, he's, uh, you know, he's just... Uh, uh, he's he's just a, a particularly pragmatic gourmand, uh, f f um, and this is the end of Patrick Troughton in Doctor Who. This is the last, this is the last we see of Patrick Troughton. Uh, oh, so farewell, my favourite. That's the that's the last we see of Patrick Troughton. Goodbye. Uh, what a brilliant actor he was. What a fine doctor. Um, it's a very schizophrenic story, this, isn't it? So we're going to have the the uh, the punchline now, which is going, well, what we've learnt now that I've just murdered a man is that eating meat is bad. <laughs> and I, um, I've been a vegetarian since I was 11. Um, but, but I'm not a vegan. So again, you could say, you know, that's hypocritical in that, yes, I I won't eat I I won't eat the thing that's directly like an animal, but I will eat stuff that's been produced from kind of some of the same uh, processes. And so, so you know we're all we all compromise our morality. Uh, there's the, there are contradictions in all of our moralities, which is why it ill behoves us to be judgmental of others. Uh, I, I just try to do the best I can, as one man said, but I'm aware of the inherent uh, contradictions. Uh, so perhaps perhaps uh, I shouldn't be quite so hard on Dastari. Um, uh, in fact, John Stratton gets uh, top guest billing. Um, very, very, well, look, I am not, it's really interesting. I am not saying this is a faultless story by 
any stretch of the imagination. I even have some sympathy with the person that said it was the worst Doctor Who script of all time. No, I, I mean, I, I don't think I'd go that far at all. Um, but I can see their objections with it in, in terms of what it pitches, what it says, some of the choices it makes, that sort of schizophrenia that it has. And yet I enjoy it. I enjoy the characters. I enjoy what it has to say. I enjoy some of the jokes. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a largely effective production. I know Peter Moffat gets... I mean, actually... I, Hang, hang drawn and quartered largely because you don't get the Sontar and mask in close up um, and that's enough to go then it's all then it's terribly directed um, I actually think there's some nice direction in places and also he was so efficient that they got more stuff shot in Spain than was scheduled and you go well you know when sometimes people didn't even finish making the programme um, uh uh, you know, that's worth its weight in gold when you're making television in uh, the 1980s. So, um, I get to choose three things. Two things from this episode and one thing, one bonus thing. So I think the two things I'm going to choose for this episode, uh, I love the gag of, uh, I, with an honourable mention of that scene, because I used to watch that scene quite a lot, Sometimes I think uh, when I watched the episode, I'd go back and watch that scene again. I love the scene where Stike makes the Doctor get into the into the time machine, and then Jamie stabs him, and then he shoots the laser. I love that scene because um, it just excited me. And I remember when I I got it on video, having you know watched this the first time, and I got it on video as a as a sort of collector. And and I remember going, oh, I'd forgotten. Oh, this is a really good scene. Oh, and it uh, uh, it excited me and it thrilled me. But I think. Stike will be included, and I think Clinton Grain is excellent as Stike, but I think Stike will be included in my favourite thing is is I like the running gag of Stike, of the indignities that Stike suffers from being burnt in the face a bit to then going in the time machine and melting a bit more and then going into a spaceship and being blown to bits and just being a leg. Um, I think that's deliberate and very funny. And uh, as a bleak... A, so... Uh, it excuses some of the grotesqueness in the story because it's obviously done there with a sort of streak of black humour, which I kind of like. Um, and the other thing is, it's got to be that that scene where Jacqueline Pierce so brilliantly um, succumbs to the feral beast within the creature of what is it? Uh, what is it? Dastari calls them a creature of instinct. Um, uh, I mean, I. It's interesting what you say about can a whole race be base creatures of, uh, you know, I think that's quite simplistic to say, well, you know, we, we can't make the Andrigums brainy because they're all the same. Uh, that's, but, you know, we're talking about kids' tea time science fiction and the, 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 you know, what the Andrigums are is they are alien gourmands. Um, you know, they are, they are creatures who enjoy sensual pleasures. Um, and sometimes in Doctor Who, a whole species can have one characteristic and, and that helps with the telling of this story. So, but I'm aware that in, you know, perhaps more sophisticated fare, you'd, 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 you'd have a hard, hard job getting that past as a thing you can do in a script to say, well, a race is all entirely the same. Um, 
And it's, I'll be interested to see if Matt brings any of that up because he does do stuff about cultural sensitivities and uh, he's very much at the, the cutting edge of, of how we deal with uh, such things in these times when we you know have to be very aware of those things, and rightly so. Um, but nonetheless, that scene that Jacqueline Pierce does so well, and it's a really grim and quite un-Doctor Who-y thing um, uh, of, of the Doctor's blood on the step and she puts it to her face and she licks it and... Uh, uh, and Dastari's reaction, I think it's an excellent scene and pretty grim as well. Um, but but and that and that you know that pull between base instinct and you know you know intellectual advancement, if you like, I think is interesting and very well done. So those are my two things for that episode. And I think my thing for the whole thing is I like the central wheeze. I like the conceit of um, we're on the food chain. That's uh, you know that's that's the central metaphor that's the the subtext of much of what is going on sometimes not even subtext of suddenly humanity is on the menu or we're you know we're no better than the things we eat i like anything that cuts us down to size a little bit uh and and examines that and i think it's you know it's 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 littered through the script in, in very interesting ways so those are my three things uh let us see what my friend Matthew Hayden, not the cricketer, has chosen in his final video. So, The Two Doctors, episode three. And I think I'm allowed three choices here, if I understand the rules correctly, Toby. Um, so, first of all, Patrick Troughton again, when he goes full Andragum, which is delicious. And I love the fact that he still insists they dress properly to eat, as any gentleman or gentle andragum if there is such a thing knows uh top hats in spain i think is my second choice nothing much more to say than that top hats in spain um and third the killing of oscar really quite brutal and um i seem to remember that series was quite controversial for some of its violence and brutality wasn't it but um really good i think to see a, a lovable character get killed uh, which of course nowadays is ten a penny in things like Games of Game of Thrones, uh, etc., isn't it? Uh, anyway, thank you so much for inviting me to do this, Toby. I really enjoyed watching them, taking it back to my youth, and um, I hope you enjoyed it too. See ya. Uh, I feel bad now because because Matt is wearing a cravat and Matt does dress very well and like a a gentleman, and this is the first of these. Um, I've I videoed part one. I haven't videoed parts two and three because I'm getting a bit behind with everything and setting up the videos and then editing them and putting them on YouTube to get watched by far fewer people. Um, and, and because I've had some, you know, some sort of other other um, pulls on my time uh, with a poorly partner and uh, a need to earn a living um, meant something had to give. So I, I was sort of delayed. There was quite a big gap between parts part one and two and it's partially because it's like oh, I've got to get the tripod out and I've got to set the things up and and then when you edit them it takes you know so, so I thought right I'm going to motor on I'm going to get a few of these in the can and if that means not filming them. but unfortunately Matt's done sort of visual gags as part of his and is is dressed in a cravat so imagine a, 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 a sort of a bald man in a cravat is, is what Matt is and who um, I should have guessed would have uh, knowing him as I do would have liked the appeal of the, the gentleman 
the gentleman around Spain, although he sort of did do that twice. He had the dressing for dinner. Oh, no, because he had Patrick Troughton's performance at the end of the film. But the gentleman dressing for dinner and then the top hats. And he did, interesting, he chose the murder of Oscar. That is very, very interesting that he chose that. Um, so after a good show in part two, where I uh, I got a point from something I'd chosen in part one, and I got another point because I, I kind of gave myself the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I didn't get any of that. Um, so I lost again. Uh, uh, which which uh, is another... Um, um, uh, 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 another f- failure to hit hit the finals board or to to even register on the positive i've never won i've never won uh, and i can i will continue uh, not to but i enjoyed that although uh, interesting because i was sort of analyzing it a bit more it's it's faults did manifest itself them, themselves to me uh, in a way that i haven't really cared about before because i've watched the story purely for entertainment um I'm aware of its faults, but I still like it. And that's okay. Um, We don't... What we like doesn't necessarily have to be good or even to our taste or we can like in spite of themselves or in spite of, in fact, the contradictions within themselves. Um, uh, Yeah, which is is interesting. Um, And something I will... uh, It will take me a while to digest, which is wholly appropriate. But... um, well, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope it was to your taste. Uh, and if it wasn't, uh, there'll be, uh, I'm sure something there is along soon. Nice to do a Colin Baker because uh, I haven't had a chance to do many of those. Nice to see my friend Matt and nice to talk to you. Um, I'm going to bed now. Uh, so good night, sweet princes and princesses everywhere. Thank you for listening to Happy Times and Places, presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest is Matt Hayden, who is on Twitter at Matt Hayden, uh, E-N, double T for Matt, Hayden, E-N, 65 on Twitter. Thanks to him, and thanks to the patrons who make these podcasts possible. They include Charles Gears, David Gillespie, Mark Findlay-Smith, Andrew Egan, Andrew East, Paul Dykes, Tim Dickinson, Robert Davis, Chris Davis, Rob Dawson, Matt Dale, Paul Philip Dahlgren, Dave Curran, Lee Kremin, Peter Crocker, Leslie Coots, Paul Cornell, Paul Colnaghi, Simon Coling, Charles Coffin, Steve Churchill, Susan Christian, Phil Chapman, Richard Straw, Stephen Moffat, Rob Leonard, Peter Harness, Peter Burns, Ruben Herfindahl, Nathan Martin, Trevor Smith, and David Green. The music for these podcasts is by Dave Gates, and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. And if you want to be one of those names associated with patronage, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock and you get advanced releases, exclusive material and various bits of interaction with me. If if this droning that I do on a regular basis isn't enough, um, uh, you can sign up for three pounds per month. That is the lowest tier, which still gets you access to most of the stuff available. And also, uh, even at the lowest tier, if you sign up for a year, you get a 10% discount. So that's a lot of fun. However, a monthly commitment is a lot. And uh, I'm grateful to those who have already committed. And I understand those who can't uh, or do not fancy it. But if you want to do a one-off payment, 
uh, I don't know, maybe you particularly enjoy one or you're just glad that I've shut up for a while, uh, you can go to kopi.com forward slash Toby Haydock and uh, fling a few quid of your choice into the coffers. Uh, uh, but I know times are difficult, uh, particularly at the moment uh, where just the cost of living itself is going up. So I'll tell you what. If I've just made your bus journey uh, go a little better or I've told you a fact you didn't know about an actor or you just uh, quite enjoy escaping from the world listening to this nonsense, um, then what you can do that costs you absolutely nothing but uh, uh, would show your appreciation is to go to your podcast supplier or particularly uh, Apple and iTunes uh, if you can get onto there and give five-star ratings to these they're under Toby Haydock's time travels, uh, uh, and perhaps a couple of lines of review as well, telling people about these things because that uh, uh, increases their visibility and gives more opportunity for more people to savour them and uh, just means my labour is not wasted. Thank you very much. Oh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Toby Haydock, and these podcasts have their own feed at Haydock Podcasts. And look, I'm a stand-up comedian in real life. I do comedy in Manchester every Tuesday at Excess Malarkey Comedy Club, which has been running for 24 years. It's Tuesdays, 8pm at The Breadshed in Manchester. Look up Excess Malarkey online. And we also have a Twitch channel where on the first Sunday of every month we do a live show on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey. The shows stay up there for 14 days and there's also clips of past shows. And we have fantastic comedians from around the world, uh, TV names, headline comics, international acts, and it's all absolutely free. Again, there's an opportunity to donate but uh, absolutely no incentive so to do. And the club has been running for 24 years. We run on a not-for-profit basis because we believe in bringing comedy to as many people, accessible, good-quality comedy, to as many people as possible. So uh, it's a good initiative to support as well. And uh, I think you will be pleasantly surprised. Um, so look, uh, come along to that if you can support that. I'd be very, very grateful. Uh, in the meantime, I think I should be quiet now because this podcast has lasted an hour and it's largely been my voice. <laughs> so sorry. Except, of course, you like the post-credits bit as well, don't you? Yeah, well, this is, this is what that is. This is the post-credits bit. What can I say? Uh, oh well, I tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll let you to little fact. What I didn't mention that uh, uh, when I when I broke out the uh, the DVD of this to watch, I think I did mention that I'd got a an advanced copy uh, from a friend's magazine. Uh, so the, it's the only DVD I don't actually have the official release for. And I thought, well, it's going to be really hard to get uh, to get the original copy because they withdrew it and removed the Jim will fix it. Um, uh, uh, clip uh, and re-release the two doctors without Jim will fix it on it um, because that would destroy the world and the best way to learn from history is to deny that it ever happened um, so uh, I thought god it's going to be really hard to get hold of uh, of the original DVD and it'll be really expensive uh, eBay four quid so there we go so I now have a complete collection of Doctor Who DVDs as a result of oh no because I've, st I've still got the original Invisible Enemy with the uh, with the malfunctioning ending because uh, I never sent off for a replacement disc for that. Oh, oh, that's just reminded me of that as well. Well, maybe uh, maybe I'll get that before it comes out on Blu-ray or maybe I'll just live with it. But uh, I now at least 
have the two doctors uh, on the proper dvd release so um out of something evil must come something good <laughs>